listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John 5, and we're going to look at uh, 13 through 20. 1 John 5, 13 through 20. Only a couple more weeks in John. 1 John. Uh, we went through the Gospel of John, and then we went through uh, 1 John, and we're going to be doing, we're going to be in 2 John next week, and that will be it for our series through the letters of John. So just to let you know, and uh, we'll talk more about our next series in the weeks to come. But we're coming to an end of this series now. We've looked at several themes in John. I mean, think about the things that we've talked about. We've talked about love. We've talked about truth. We've talked about walking in the light with God. We talked about false teaching last week. And today we're going to be reminded of another theme in John's letter, which is the idea of confidence. Several times in the letters he writes so that we can have confidence, he says. And today we're not just talking about confidence in general or confidence that we have eternal life like he's talked about before, but confidence that enables us to confront each other when we need to with truth, but also love. So um, the idea of loving each other enough to correct the people that we share life with and even, even go to church with, it's so intimidating. We were just talking about that earlier uh, with the worship team. We we're talking about, you know, after all these years, Larissa and I are still you know, trying to figure out what's the best way to, to confront each other with truth in love in a way that doesn't come across uh, in, in a way that shames them or is not dismissive of their emotions. I mean, how can we ever get to the point where not only in our own families where we're the safest, but actually in our own congregation that we love each other to correct the people that we share life with because it's so intimidating. How can we get to the point of pushing through all those nerves and all the anxiety that comes around confrontation without coming across as a self-righteous hypocrite. How do we get to that place? Well, John is going to help us a little bit about that today. Let's look at our passage for today. And um, like I said, he starts with uh, verse 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have requests that we have asked of him. So what is John saying we need this confidence we need in, in God about? What is he about to move us to? Look at verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. Verse 18, we, we know that everyone that has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born of God protects him. The evil one does not touch him. And we know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. 
And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true. And we are in Him who is true. In His Son, Jesus, He is the true God and eternal life. This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, uh, give us wisdom today. Show us what you would have us to see here. There's so many things to unpack, and we can't unpack them all today. But help us just for a moment to focus on a few things that you would have us to see from this passage that John is writing in Jesus' name. Amen. So, out of everything that the world around us disagrees about, the one thing that we can all agree upon is that conflict between human beings is unavoidable. You don't, you don't have to live long as a child to understand that when we, whether we fight with family members, or we have disagreement with friends, or we banner on social media platforms about politics or current events or even athletic teams and events, conflict is inevitable. It's not a matter of if we're going to have conflicts. It's a matter of when. See, as human beings, we're made of people with conviction and passion. We're a passionate creature. And the closer you are to someone, the more likely you are, the more conversation you have, the more potential you have for disagreements and to be divided and sometimes even separated relationally, if only for a time. The passage that we're looking at today is John being aware that those problems exist, especially when you're trying to share life together in a church like ours. Remember, he's writing to the church here, not generally to the world. He's writing to the church. And especially when you're talking about important things in your life like your beliefs and the actions that surround those beliefs. See, the hardest situation that John reminds us of is when you see a friend and a family member or a fellow believer in Jesus, fellow follower of Jesus, on a path that is not good for them and might even destroy them or those around them, how do we handle that? How do we approach them? How do we confront people? Well, let's see what God has to say through John today in three points. We're going to talk about the idea of having confidence. We're going to talk about confrontation. And we're going to talk about the result of that, which is conquering. So let's look at what we have here today. He writes that first paragraph here, starting in 13. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. First point of confidence when you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Second thing in confidence. If it's in his will and we ask, he will hear us. And if he knows that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have requests that we have asked of him. So the things that we request. See, throughout this letter, John's been encouraging us to have confidence, specifically the confidence before God, that no matter what we do in Jesus Christ, we are his sons and we can find favor in it, and we have love and we can love accordingly. And now he wants his readers to have confidence not only in their lives, but he tells them they can have real confidence if they abide in Jesus. He returns to the theme here at the end of the letter uh, that we mentioned before in the book of John of saying, if it's God's will, you can have confidence that whatever you ask, you will receive. Confidence that God hears us when we ask. 
See, here's the thing I need you to think about, because I think a lot of times in people's life, they're, they're thinking about what is God's will for me? What is his plan for me? Um, in this like abstract way, or this cryptic way where God's just trying to make you work hard to, to find it. Any time in your life that you're trying to find God's will or know what his plans are for you, you've got to remember this. God has told us everything we need in Scripture. There are hundreds of revealed promises for you and me that we can pray back to God, knowing 100% that it's in his will. Think about it. When you, when your prayer life should be like this to an extent as you spend time with God and spend time in his word. Think about your best friends, your closest family members that you have a lot of experience with. Think about roommates that you had at one time and you lived together for a while. And um, you, you begin to know how each other could anticipate certain situations. It's like wives that can finish their husband's sentences. How do they do that? Was over time they have developed an intimacy over the many years that depends on conversations, common experiences, and shared time together. Eventually, over time, you start to know what each other is thinking. The same way, is it's not a secret with God. You begin to know what He's thinking because you say the Bible, and you're, you're, you're basically repeating back to Him what He's already said to you, and you're finishing sentences, God's sentences, with Scripture, because that's His words in the first place. See, the, the intimacy between what we know about other people is no different with God. We develop a friendship with Him, a relationship with Him. We become more and more familiar with what God has said in the Bible. We become more and more familiar with God Himself and His ways and His habits and His reactions. At that point, intuitively, we begin to pray according to His will. Why? Because we know His ways and His Word. And the more mature we are in the faith, the more sound we spend in the Word, the more we begin to understand what this is. Again. This doesn't come from some secret knowledge that God reveals to you in, the, in some secret way, but from a study of the Word, and you can't shortcut that. We discussed this a, a couple weeks ago, but John is reminding us of this again. Why? Because it actually directly relates to the next few verses that we're about to see. It, because there's some very important things that if you don't get about what I just said, if you skip that step, this confrontation part, you're going to, we're either going to do a lot of weird things with it, or we're going to miss some of the most valuable ways that God wants us to approach and love the people around us. So John is about to talk about the big one. Point two, confrontation. Look at uh, verse 16. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life. To those that commit sins that do not lead to death, there's a sin that leads to death. I do not say that you should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there's a sin that does not lead to death. Now, I don't want you to get bogged down in the sins that lead to death and don't lead to death. That's really not the point of this passage. He's going back to a lot of things that were talked about in the Old Testament of those that were intentional sins and sins that were uh, sins of uh, omission or unintentional sins. Don't get bogged down in that. Here's what I want you to see. If anyone sees his brother committing sin. That's really the point of this. He should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin. If you haven't noticed yet, in church, whether it's this church or another church or the congregation, true community is awkward, 
and it's messy, and it's hard. We offend people. People offend us. If you haven't been offended yet by me or somebody in this room, we're not living in a deep relationship together. It's just going to happen. We're, we're not above that as followers of Jesus Christ. Why? Because in a place like this, there's even more potential if we really are who we say we are. Because we make ourselves vulnerable and we open ourselves up and we share our, our, our stuff and our burdens and our weaknesses and we're authentic with each other and we don't put on a, a religious pretentious face to be around each other. And we hope as we reveal our sins or we just are being ourselves. We hope that people won't gossip about us, about what we share with each other. We pray that they won't throw it back in our face in some way or use it as leverage against us. See, in a real community, like the, the, the biblical pattern has in, in the church, like our church family, we seek not only to be transparent, but to welcome, as a result of the transparency, welcome loving criticism and correction from those that love us enough to be honest with us. That's what we crave. Now, is it hard? You better believe it. Like sometimes, I'm, I, as a pastor, I tell people, like, listen, if I could do things better, like, let me know. And then they tell me, and it hurts my feelings. And I'm like, okay, maybe not so much, <laughs> you know. Maybe, maybe take it advice. Like, no, I don't need a paragraph. Maybe one sentence uh, in that. And, but, but here's the thing. When we think about that, I mean, think about the idea that not only are we welcoming the people, but we have the obligation, not the luxury, of, of, of being able to just say, okay, something bothered me, I'm just going to go on with it. You don't have that luxury. We have an obligation to love each other enough to be honest with each other. And when you really understand that and you get it, it seems impossible. And it is without God's help and His grace and His mercy. It's too hard without him. Throughout my life in general, I've been told that I'm pretty good in crisis situations uh, and that I rarely break, that I rarely back down from confrontation. And as you know, that's not necessarily always a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing, and it has been in my life sometimes. Uh, sometimes you just need to know when to shut up. I have a problem with that. And um, it's not always a good thing, but here's one thing I've learned. And um, I hate confrontation. If I have to confront somebody or somebody confronts me, I am sick in my stomach. It's awkward. I want to just throw up. If I know I have to, like when I used to be in schools, I knew I had to talk to a teacher about something and correct them in some way. I mean, I just, it, it was like my heart was right here. I couldn't get my emotions down. I'm like, ah, oh, just breathe. Why? Why would people say that it looks easy when it's not with me. What I realize is it wasn't easy ever. If it ever becomes easy, then you're the biggest jerk I've ever seen and you're so dismissive. I'm just telling you, you are. You're dismissive of other people's uh, feelings um, and you're not dignifying people. You're not doing it if it comes easy to you. It never gets easy, I don't care who you are. Why? Because the people you are talking to, you love. It breaks your heart for them. If it doesn't hurt you as much as it hurts them, something's probably wrong. I mean, and, and so with all this, why does it even matter? Like, why do we have to do that? See, this is a hard one. Throughout the Bible, we are called, and we've got to remember this, to lovingly 
confront our brothers and sisters, our friends in Christ, and truth and love. The Bible always puts those two together. You're not, you don't have a right to just speak truth in somebody's life like some kind of Old Testament prophet writing hell down on people. No, it says truth and love. And if you can't do it in love, you probably need to be like what I said earlier that I had to do sometimes and just shut your mouth. You don't have a right to do that to people. But in a loving way, what does that look like? And what's the result of it? And what's, what do we see? Well, the first step, remember what he talked about before? He talked to John and he said, I mean, John, God was talking about what, what, what he said in the first step of doing so. He said, pray to God first. Pray to God first. Like I said, this is impossible. You, we, for us to check our spirit, our motivation, and figure out how are we going to come at people in a way that represents not what we want to say, but represents who Jesus Christ is himself. Until we get to that point, we've got to make sure that we God, help us. We need you. And then God says, okay, I'll be there with you. You have confidence to confront, but the purpose of it is what we're about to look at here. Point three, conquering. We know that everyone who is born of God does not keep sinning, but he who is born of God protects him. The evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, and the Son of Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. See, here's the thing. If we don't confront each other, we live in lies. That's what he's talking about there, the world lies and the power of the evil one. We don't confront each other, we live in lies, we act like everything's okay when it's really not. But over time, you know what's going to happen? We're going to resent each other. We're going to become passive aggressive. We're going to harbor hostility and not let other people know how we feel more than that or how much we love them. If we don't, relationships will suffer in our households and in our church. We are not really being loving. Don't fool yourself. You're not being loving when you're hiding your anger and your frustration toward one another. It's just the opposite. It's destructive. And John reminds us it might even lead to a point of death. I mean, think about it this way. Uh, it's like someone having someone in your life that has an addiction to something and you never intervene. And guess what? We all have our addictions um, to money, food, drugs, alcohol, success, pride, ego, need for approval. We all have our addictions. No matter who we are and what the addiction is, we need people around us to call that out and lovingly say, brother, sister, like the, the habits that you're in, the path you're on, is it's just leading you to destruction here. We've got to have that. I've got to have that from y'all in my life. So here's the thing. When we do confront, we conquer. God uses confrontation for our protection, not to destroy each other, not in competition. He uses it for our protection and to cultivate a healthy life, meaning I can't be the person I was intended to be without you guys. I can't be. And vice versa to each other in this room. See, uh, the Spartans talked about this idea. The Spartans were known 
for, for not just protecting their country, but protecting their brother. Because when they were very young, whether they fought, we're going to fight the, the Athenians or the, or the Persians or something like that. From very young, they knew that their, their shield was not for them. In the formations they ran, their shield was for their brother. This is what we've got to be like. This is what God's doing when we confront each other. He's saying, it's not a time to protect yourself. You're protecting your brother in this. It's not a time to be afraid or say, I know it's going to be awkward. I just don't want to do it because I'm too nervous. Think about your brother or your sister. Let me just end with this. Here's some principles from the Bible that can guide us to handle conflict and confrontation in general. In a real way, in a truthful way, but also in a loving, general way. Those are the things you see here. Matthew 18 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him your fault between you and him alone. You notice that? If he listens, you have gained a brother. Colossians 6, brothers, anyone caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted too. 2 Timothy 2, the Lord's people must not be quarrelsome, but kind to each other, able to teach, patiently enduring, correcting his opponents with gentleness. Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or arrogance, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of us look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. And then Ephesians 4 says, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God has in Christ forgiven you. See, this is too hard to do on our own. But it's too important not to do. We need to seek God's wisdom in this. We need to be reminded of God's love. We need to understand, that, that have the understanding like this says, that Jesus has. Let's close by rereading that last passage today, what we see, verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding, so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Let's think about that, meditate on these things as we get our time communion today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for today. Uh, just like last week's sermon, um, even though sermons sometimes I, I want to preach, they're sermons that just happen to be in the Bible, so I have to teach them. So help me as uh, I continue to persevere in that, but more importantly, help us all see clarity uh, on what you would have us to see through this. And maybe there's some things in there that are not as clear uh, and, is, um, and, and are not representative 100%, Lord, just move me out of the way and my delivery out of the way just make these words a part of our habits of our soul and penetrate our hearts uh, as we learn to love you and love each other more and have the confidence to confront our brothers and sisters in jesus name amen we hope you've enjoyed today's sermon we want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.